This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. We've got a big show coming your way. This hour, we're going to be joined by Jennifer Griffin. How bad are things at the Pentagon? She will tell us. Bottom of the hour, Alan West, how bad are things at the border in Texas? Uh, he'll let us know. And, of course, they'll take your phone calls, too. A lot to discuss today. When things are getting tough in Taiwan, when things are getting challenging in America, when things are problematic at the border, when we're worried about things at the Pentagon, we could always count on the president to go to Ireland. That's where he's going to be. One of the only places in the world that has not been screwed up. So let's get to the big three. You need to know. It's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. Both Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird are done playing, and both of them um, will not procreate because they're not attracted to men. So neither one of these women have daughters to defend, and they're done playing sports, so it doesn't matter to them. Riley Gaines letting everybody have it. It's against... Transgen- who is for transgenders playing with women. She stands alone as of now. Riley Gaines, the only elite athlete willing to speak out against the farcical rise of trans men in women's sports while track and field and perhaps boxing, takes a stand. Two high-profile soccer stars are going to go to bat for the former men. No joke. Number two. Yeah, this is what Macron gets wrong, too. This is Xi Jinping's doing. He is on the side of Vladimir Putin in Russia. He is on the side of Chairman Kim in North Korea. He's on the side of the Ayatollah in Iran. Uh, We should demand things. We should treat them with reciprocity. We should stop the trade silliness. Yes, please. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, China threat, Taiwan peril, and French betrayal. How we must step up to the growing global challenges and demand our allies do the same or no longer get our protection. An apology for Macron should come immediately. Instead, we apologize for him. This is insanity. Number one. Pentagon officials are scrambling to identify the source of leaked documents apparently meant for senior decision makers like the Joint Chiefs. Pages seem drawn from secret military briefing books, including CIA updates. Catherine Herridge, beyond damaging. That is the assessment after the Pentagon is hacked or someone leaked intelligence revealing our sensitive communications. Maps, state of the state, uh, state of the art communications, i.e. Ukraine war efforts, Russian spying and more. And we have no sense of how it happened and if it leaked for the Pentagon or if it has stopped. What is worse? 
What is worse is we don't know if it's still going on right now. And guess what? It started in January. Believe it or not, the leak started in January. That's when we find out it appears on some, I guess, obscure websites. And as it goes to another website, and then it gets to Telegram. And then last Wednesday, the Wall Street Journal prints out there's been a major breach. Is this in, what has been breached? Okay, how about this? We're spying on South Korea. How do we know? Because it turns out we were trying to harangue them into giving arms and lethal weapons to Ukraine. And they agreed to give 330,000 artillery shells. But I guess it wasn't as popular and people worry about Russia in South Korea and China in South Korea because South Korea is so close. So that was going to be secret. Now it's out. They were concerned that Joe Biden would pressure them. How do we know? Because the communication is out. How do we know that the shells were running out of shells and missile defense shells uh, missiles when it comes to Ukraine? Because we wrote it. They wrote urgent communication saying we have the missile defense systems. We're just running out of missiles. And if the Russians know that, guess what they're going to send over? I don't know. Missiles? John Kirby cut one. Do you believe the leak is contained? Are there more documents out there that have not been released publicly? Is this an ongoing threat? We don't know. We truly don't. Wow. Honesty. Sooner or later, you got to be honest because you can't even spin it. Chris Meager. A DOD spokesperson was on with Jennifer Griffin. Jennifer asked him this, cut three. How is it different from past leaks, whether it was Snowden or WikiLeaks? We're still uh, coordinating efforts to uh, determine the impact these documents might have on our national security uh, going forward. So there's still a lot that we have to uh, review and assess, but that that review and assessment is uh, ongoing. So the Wall Street Journal reports this started on Discord. I I never heard of it either. A messaging platform. It started in January. It circulated to a larger group in March. No widespread attention then for almost another month. Then the files appear on 4chan. And then they reposted on the pro-Russian users for Telegram. Now, the Russians have taken it and doctored some of the intelligence to make it look like they have almost no casualties. They wrote down 16,500 casualties, so they said, okay, the intelligence leaked. I'll change it and release it. So it's devastating. It's It's embarrassing, too. So here we go again. So the missile stocks for Ukraine, their defense wisdom system has been depleted. Details of Ukraine offensive that's coming up around now, as soon as the weather gets a little bit nicer. Five photos of the presentation slides and maps dated March 1st talk about the offensive, I guess, as we coached or observed. It also shows that we are approaching Israel and said, hey, guys, you got to start giving lethal aid. Stop saying you're neutral. We need you to do more. All out there. So if you're Israel, how do you feel about this? If you're Ukraine, how do you feel about this? You don't have much of a choice. We're the chief supplier. If you're South Korea, how do you feel about this? Evidently, they're in a political firestorm about this because the current administration is trying to cover for Biden and the and the insurgents or the opposing party is saying this is ridiculous. You have to push away from America. Here's Nancy Mace, cut four. The administration literally has no answers. And so if they can't keep our top secrets safe, then how can they keep us safe. I mean, this is just another example of us projecting weakness 
out there uh, and, and no one has any answers. It's like the leak of Roe v. Wade. Nobody has any answers on who, what, how, when or where. They're still sifting through the information that's just out there on the internet and on social media. It's a lot of data. It's gonna take a lot of resources to figure out what leak, what leak happened, where it came from, and all the information that's out there today. Uh, and spilling our secrets on, on Ukraine right now, this is a really terrible thing that's happened in, at this juncture. Yeah, so let's talk about China. China and Taiwan, they had massive show of force. They're still staying in the area. We actually have some war games with the Philippines. They don't like that, too. Of course they wouldn't. So they're going to stay in and around the island of Taiwan. China loving the fact that French President Macron came out and questioned whether it is in France's interest to accelerate a crisis on Taiwan for the fear of a Chinese overreaction. And this is an interview with Politico on Sunday. He added that the worst thing that Europe could do would be to take our cue from the U.S. agenda. Really, you love the cue when we're saving your butt in Ukraine and everywhere else in the world, but you don't want to take it because when it comes to Taiwan, a democracy, oh, I don't want to pick sides. How about the side of the, why don't you just pick the side of the people that poisoned the world with the pandemic and then denied it, that have thousands, hundreds of thousands of uh, Muslim Uyghurs in the middle of a genocide? How about don't take their side? You see the way they're cracking down on their own people. You see how they haven't been honest about the pandemic. You see what it's cost France. And you sit over there and you say, I don't want to pick a side. China loved it. They came back with this. Macron's statement signals a dead end for the U.S. strategy of luring Europe to contain China. That according to Beijing's Global Times. Thanks, Francois. And guess what? We cover for them. The State Department in response says uh, the comments were not as decisive as they might uh, as they might seem. There is immense convergence between us in Europe and our allies and partners and how we tackle China's challenges head on. That is not the rebuke that I would have given. When we come back, Jennifer Griffin joins me. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. A lot on our plate. We're going to tackle it. Thanks for being here. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We don't know who's behind this. We don't know what the motive is. And I think I can't remember who asked before, but we don't know what else might be out there. Um, So we've got to let the Department of Defense 
run their process with the interagency and taking a look at the national security implications of it. And we got to let the Justice Department uh, be able to pursue their investigation again completely unfettered and, and let the facts and the evidence uh, take them where they may. Imagine a leak that took place that is still could still be taking place because we don't know the origins of it. That's where we're at right now. Thanks to the Wall Street Journal's last week publishing report. But the leak, uh, according to these reports, really began in January. Trying to piece it together, working hard. Jennifer Griffin, Fox News' uh, chief national security correspondent. Hey, Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. So first off, I, I heard your interview yesterday. So your package last night. So if people at home are just catching up to the story now, what should they know? Well, I think what they should know is that this is a major breach, um, an intelligence breach that that really has the Pentagon extremely concerned because of the real-time implications, both in terms of uh, making allies distrust the U.S. at a time when they're trying to keep a united front in Ukraine, also some of the revelations about so-called allies providing or not providing uh, weapons to Ukraine who may have been uh, cutting side deals with Russia. That's very embarrassing, Egypt, for instance. Um, and and so this is really, uh, it's a great mystery because uh, what this is, Brian, is basically 53 documents so far have appeared online, and they've appeared through some backdoor channels through kind of a, a, an odd uh, place for them to pop up at first, a place called Discord, um, uh, an area that's favored by gamers. Um, and, and then it worked its way over to Telegram and to Twitter. But the, the document briefing book that these pages seem to have been copied from looked like it, it's the daily briefing from March 1st, uh, a, a briefing book that is created for the joint staff here in the Pentagon and for commanders overseas in NATO and elsewhere. What's interesting is it looks like there are papers that have been folded. So the question is, who had access to this information? Why did they post it online? It looked like they were almost trying to settle an argument about something that was happening in Ukraine, about who was winning and who was losing. But in the process, they they posted things that are extremely damaging in terms of showing just how good, actually, U.S. intelligence is in terms of signals intelligence, the electronic eavesdropping that the U.S does on not only uh, its foes, but also its allies. And that's what's really so damaging right now. South Korea is one. Israel is another. Ukraine, predominantly, some of those communications have come front and center. So Israel, it looks like we're urging them to get off the neutrality, uh, get off neutrality and start giving lethal weapons over to Ukraine. South Korea, too. And it looks like South Korea was willing to saddle up and put 350,000 artillery shells over. But domestically, politically, it's problematic for South Korea specifically, isn't it? Well, it's, it, the reason it's problematic for South Korea is, A, South Korea is an ally. So it shows that the U.S., um, the NSA, if you will, was um, spying on an ally. That's never a good thing because this is a conversation between two South Korean uh, politicians and its concerns about uh, the leader of South Korea and whether they, the, he's going to succumb to U.S. pressure. So it shows that, that the U.S. government is listening. So that creates a problem for allies at a moment that is, you know, that who does that 
benefit. That benefits Russia, and it benefits China, who wants uh, division uh, division amongst allies. So what what's not clear, it, it, at this point in time, it looks like this is an individual, a mole or an Edward Snowden-type character who has pla- placed this information online. What the White House and the Defense Department and the intelligence community don't know is whether there are more – is this the, the start of a larger document dump, or was this one – uh, individual who did something, uh, were they working for a foreign government? Is it somebody who's an anarchist within the system? Uh, there's a great, you know, there's a race on to find uh, the source of the leak. The Justice Department is involved. And I, I'm told that, you know, it's not going to be too difficult to track uh, track this down. The question is, how much more do they have? And is it going to start appearing? Uh, we haven't seen much more since the original uh reporting by the New York Times last Thursday, that's when the defense secretary and the White House were briefed on this, uh, that that w- once it appeared last Thursday, um, and there is some evidence, as you mentioned, that it had been online prior to that uh, for, for, for up to a month, uh, if not longer. Uh, and the question is, how come nobody had noticed it before now? But last Thursday, news article, the Pentagon realizes that there's been a breach. And we have not seen, since the 53 documents uh, were released, we have not seen more. So the question is, have they stopped the leak? Nobody can tell us at this point. Wow, pretty uh, pretty fascinating. The fact is, uh, I find it difficult to understand that this could appear on this Discord, this mostly gamer channel, and us not find out about it. That was in January. And to find out about it until April. That was last week. So do you find that astounding? That there'd be maps and diagrams and intelligence out there and there wouldn't be a mechanism in place to track it down? I think what it really shows is just how massive and proliferating these these websites. And, you know, I, I, I think what you're finding is that there's just uh, – you would think – Yes, you would think that that our intel community would be watching these sites and and something like this pops up, even if it's not our intel community, that somebody else might report it. Uh, So it it is a little bizarre because the the markings on the the documents, it's very clear that this is uh, TSI, if not uh, top secret, uh, not for foreign um, foreign eyes. I mean, it's, it's very clear that that for the most part, these are legitimate documents. Uh, some of the documents have been altered, and that's where we don't know some of the news stories that have come out analyzing uh, the the intelligence in the 53 documents that uh, point fingers at Egypt and South Korea and UAE, Israel. It's not clear whether some right. of those could have been doctored. Uh, they don't look doctored, but the ones that look clearly doctored are the ones that downplay the amount of Russian casualties inside uh, Ukraine. Right. So whoever doctored that has some reason to do so. It looks like we've got great sources inside Russia that are giving us excellent idea what they're thinking, I mean, what that's they're the doing. Good news. That's the good news is that when looking at this, you're in awe of the ability of the NSA and the signals intelligence community to hear and know things in real time. And, and it is very clear that the U.S. has the Russian defense ministry pretty well wired. Now, is that good for that to come out right now? Nope. No, because then it could uh, they're going to they're going to realize that uh, our sources and methods. And so so it's extremely damaging for this to come out. It has people uh, 
you know, racing against the clock to sort of uh, stem the leak and to uh, and to do damage control. Uh, but uh, yes, in terms of the amount of intelligence and the ability of the U.S. government to hear and know things, it's pretty impressive. Jennifer, thanks so much. And one thing is pretty clear. If they're going to have this offensive, they're going to need more ammo. People got to start kicking in their armaments, don't they? Absolutely, Brian. I mean, the Ukraine fight, you cannot separate it from what is happening with China and Taiwan. It is a fight that if Ukraine loses and Putin wins, is going to have massive implications for for years and decades to come. No question. Uh, Jennifer Griffin, thanks so much. Uh, Doing great work. Another big challenge. Uh, Fox's chief national security correspondent. Thanks, Jennifer. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West is next. A lot more to discuss. Then your phone calls. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is a production issue. Uh, It's a a Pentagon problem, State Department problem. We need to reprioritize, put those weapons in, and use allies that have the weapons to put those into Taiwan as well. For without deterrence, you will invite aggression. And this administration has always projected weakness, not strength. That was Michael McCall. Three years ago, we ordered the weapons to... Taiwan, not for free. They pay for it. These guys got a huge economy, and we have been unable to deliver it. Why? There's only four uh, weapons manufacturers in our country. Not enough competition. There's no speed involved. We're seeing the depletion of our sources, and Ukraine's not getting uh, getting enough armament they need. Others should be helping. This is a real problem. I don't know why I'm just becoming aware of it now. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West spent the bulk of his professional life in the military. Colonel, how did we get to this place where we can't? We can't service our customers. Well, we got to that place. It's good to be with you, Brian. We forgot Ronald Reagan's mantra of peace through strength. We forgot uh, how we should be looking and investing in our uh, defense and manufacturing and production base. We've outsourced so much production manufacturing. You think about what we were able to do going back looking at World War II and even in the Korean War, uh, how we mass-produced amphibious uh, assault craft. And now we have the uh, Navy telling the Marine Corps that we don't have enough amphibious ships to even transport our own Marine Corps. So, but you can always look at the uh, the, the stockyards there in uh, Afghanistan. You can see about $80 billion of American equipment that's sitting over there. So it's just uh, a bunch of very bad decisions over the last uh, few years with the Biden administration. And it takes a while to re-energize that defense uh, base, that production manufacturing. And if we keep having these pendulum swings when it comes to presidential administrations, and now we're focused more on green energy and things of that nature, uh, this is the result. So let me ask you, I I don't know if this was your area of expertise, but did you know about this, that we were having trouble manufacturing weaponry? In the 20 years in Ukraine and Iraq, I didn't think weaponry was a problem and armaments and munitions. If you read any of the professional magazines that talk about uh, the defense industry, uh, you will see that we have an issue. Uh, and, and we have an issue also with the long lag times. Uh, you know, we have got to start holding the defense industrial base a little bit more, their feet to the fire, and they're not meeting timelines, especially. Uh, and we're running past, and we're overpaying on a lot of these weapon systems. So we need to get back to some very basic things. And one of the things I've always 
said is that we need to start asking the troops in the field what they need and stop yep. having a defense industrial base that says, here's what we can produce. And I think that's where we've gotten uh, upside down. Well, what about this Pentagon leak? I just went over with Jennifer Griffin. We're still trying to find the origins of it. But to think about private communications and how much damage was done when it was revealed when Hillary Clinton was in office, when Snowden and uh, WikiLeaks was revealing all this this private information and thoughts and things never supposed to be exposed. Now we find out South Korea with their domestic issues was going to privately or uh, and quietly give 350,000 shells. I don't know how that plays politically, but evidently that's not a popular thing. Israel staying on the sideline, urging us for us, urging them to get off the sideline. That is now exposed. Ukraine running short of shells on missile defense, that is now exposed. Their strategy to, to, to have this spring surge is now exposed. This is a disaster. Yeah, it is a complete disaster, and it, you just have to wonder where is the breakdown in the uh, in the Pentagon in our Defense Department. And when you're more so focused on DEI and all these other things, not only is the recruitment and retention being uh, affected with our force, but also the ability to you know properly secure classified information. You know, they they it's not really hard to find out where this leak came from because there are certain people that have uh, access to certain types of information that should be able to be found and somewhere somehow someone broke protocols and there has to be consequences and ramifications for what someone has done or some people have done so we're looking at now taiwan and we looked at the level of the war games that they played out yesterday over the last three days and they've kept their ships in place as we began to coordinate with the philippines with a large display of our own force uh where is this heading well, with this administration, it's not headed to a good point because we're, we're not, we don't have the right capability and capacity. I just talked about the problems that we have with our Navy uh, in relation to amphibious uh, assault craft for our Marines. We have one of the smallest uh, surface warship fleets that we've seen in quite some time. And to put that in perspective, I think Ronald Reagan took our surface war fleet up to over 560, 570 ships. Uh, the low point was recently down to 235, 250 maybe, and we're trying to get that up to 300. So China is outpacing us right now with the surface warship fleet that they have, and they're building more aircraft carriers, and they're building uh, surface-to-ship missiles, so we have to be uh, very careful about that. So, you know, right now, Afghanistan showed people that we are not very competent in what we do militarily as far as, uh, you know, deploying and employing our military, and and we have to be very concerned about what we do in the South China Sea and the Pacific because I don't think that we have the right type of leadership that can, first and foremost, economically uh, confront China and then, if need be, to uh, confront China militarily. Um, I want you to hear what Marco Rubio said uh, about what he predicts is going to happen currently. Cut 12. That thing's going to get bad. I mean, there's no other way around it. I mean, there's no way we finish this decade without China trying to do something about Taiwan. I think they would prefer to do it without military, just have, you know, Taiwan surrender. But something's going to we should stop pretending that we're not headed towards something there. We are. And I think it's important for if, if they were to take Taiwan, it's just not not just about the small little island off the coast of China. OK, it is that gives them effective control over all of the eastern Pacific or the East, East Asia, 70 uh, percent of global commerce. I mean, they could literally just shut us down. They can just cramp down and close down our economy. 
like COVID times 50. Yeah. Uh, it would be a strategic uh, major moment in world history, and well, not a good one for America. So do you feel the same way? Do you really feel China's going to make a move now? I think that China's emboldened to make a move, and I believe that they see a window of opportunity, uh, and they are going to try to take advantage of that. Look, all you have to do, and and we've talked about this, uh, Brian, is read their One Belt, One Road strategy. China is aiming toward not just regional, but global hegemonic dominance. China is operating in our hemisphere. China's talking about selling aircraft to Argentina. They control the the Panama uh, Canal, which was something we built for our own strategic military purposes. They're building port facilities in the Bahamas and Jamaica. So this is very real when you're talking about China, and we're going in the wrong direction as far as our deterrence and our defense preparedness. And so if you are Japan, if you are South Korea, you need to be very concerned. And if you're the Philippines, you need to be very concerned about what you see happening in the Pacific Rim. So we find out that Macron is over there saying, I'm not going to take a side with with the U.S., and China, when it comes to Taiwan, it does not surprise Mike Pompeo. Listen to the former CIA director, Cut 20. This is only creating risk for the United States. This, this isn't, you know, this is what Macron gets wrong too. This is Xi Jinping's doing. He is on the side of Vladimir Putin in Russia. He is on the side of Chairman Kim in North Korea. He's on the side of the Ayatollah in Iran. And to say, well, we're just going to send Janet Yellen over there and have a really nice sit down plays right into the hands of Xi Jinping and his Communist Party. Uh, we should demand things. We should treat them with reciprocity. We should stop the trade silliness with the Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. When we get those things right, I'm confident we'll prevail. Right. I just think this is our number one issue right now. Um, and your thought? China is our number one geopolitical foe, but we do not have any type of moral high ground at, at this point in time. We can't even ban TikTok. Uh, you know, Josh Hawley has a good piece of legislation in the Senate, but it's so confusing. They got this restrict that we can't do something as simple as cutting off China from being able to impact our youth. We can't even stop China from buying up land near our uh, strategic military bases and, and installations. We couldn't even take down a Chinese spy balloon uh, that hovered over strategic military installations and uploaded real-time intelligence uh, information. So we look weak. We don't, we don't have that high ground. And so right now, it's a very bad time for the United States of America on a global front. And that's why President Macron is uh, backing away from America, because we don't seem to be the person that you can depend upon as, as well as we're having all types of intelligence leaks coming out of, our, out of our Defense Department. So right now, just real quick, on 2024, Donald Trump is leading, uh, leading the pack, almost by 20 points over DeSantis, who's not quite in yet. Your thoughts about him getting the nomination with the indictments hanging over his head? I think that without a doubt, you've heard this many times, the left wants to have Donald Trump as the nominee. They think he is the low-hanging fruit and he is the easiest person to defeat. And you look at what they're doing. This is a repeat of the keep Biden in the basement strategy. They don't want us talking about the Biden administration and his failures, faults, and shortcomings. They want us to be 24-7, 365, talking about Donald Trump. And we got to be very careful about going into that U-shaped ambush. So do you believe he is the right pick, or you just want to let this thing play out? 
Uh, we can let it play out, but I believe that if we are going to have a Donald Trump redo uh, again, uh, it's going to be all about Donald Trump. It's not going to be about the issues. And the American people, uh, I will tell you, if we don't find a way to defeat the media propaganda machine, they're going out there getting these TikTok influencers and all this type of stuff, that shows you where they think the battlefield is. The battlefield is not on the issues. The battlefield is about destroying the character of uh, someone and demonizing them and making them uh, ill-suited to be uh, president. So we got to be very careful about playing into the hands of the left strategy. That's what I'm concerned about. He's the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Brian. You take care now. All right. Uh, meanwhile, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We come back. We open up the phones. We talk about this. We also talk about trans athletes. There's only one with the guts that I could tell to stand up and say it's wrong for transitioning women, transitioning men to compete against women. And two U.S. national soccer players whose careers are virtually done have said it's perfectly okay with them. Why I don't believe that, we have not even discussed it. We'll talk about that uh, next. Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Both Megan Rapino and Sue Bird are done playing, and both of them um, will not procreate because they're not attracted to men. So neither one of these women have daughters to defend, and they're done playing sports, so it doesn't matter to them. And that is Riley Gaines last night with Laura Ingram pointing out the fact that two outstanding women's longtime national team soccer players are on the other side of it. They believe that trans men should be able to play with women. Have you been watching some of the UFC fights against these trans men just crushing skulls? Do you see some of what's going on here with the difference in size? Megan Rapino, Sue Bird, I believe they're dating or married, uh, signed a letter opposing protection of girls and women in sports act. Yep. They were among 40 professional Olympic and Paralympic athletes who co-signed a letter to house lawmakers in opposition to the protection of girls and women in sports. Uh, athletes ally an athlete group that supports LGBTQ plus initiatives, whatever that means, sent the letter on Monday. The athletes believe the bill would, wouldn't protect women on sports, but rather exclude women and girls from getting mental and physical health benefits. What are you talking about? The bill seeks an amendment to Title IX to provide that for purposes of determining compliance with Title IX of such acting athletes, sex shall be recognized based solely on a person's reproductive biology and genetics at birth. That's what I believe it should be. They want to change it. They don't think they they think a woman transitioning, a man transitioning should be able to play. And I don't. Riley Gaines doesn't. And they're they're blitzing her when she goes to give a speech at San Francisco University. So that's a little about what she said about this, but she's not backing down. I'm surprised people have not joined her. Here's cut 20. Here's more from Riley Gaines's interview last night cut 22. You know, the DEI stuff, it only works if it's in agreement with what they're pushing. Because in reality, diversity is racism. And equity, it's, it's segregation. These, these ideas they're pushing, it's not indicative of what the messaging is that they're using. It's manipulative. It's violent. This whole movement, it's vengeful. It's hateful. I've, I've never seen a movement quite like this movement. Either have I. 
it doesn't make any sense. If you have a son or daughter or a sister uh, and you, you're having them compete and you watch them lose to Leah Thompson, Thomas or Thompson after she was 540th as a man and first as a woman, you feel good about that? To me, it's very simple. You want to go through things in life, you're going to go through it. I Thankfully, I don't have to deal with it, but you chose to do that, and that's something you were born with, whatever the reason is, whether it's Caitlyn Jenner or somebody else. Just like if you go pro as an 18-year-old, you can't go back and go play basketball for Duke. Not if you're in the NBA, even if they're your age. It doesn't matter. There's rules. They used to have Olympics, amateurs only. If you're getting paid, you lose your amateur status. That changed, obviously. But when it comes to different criteria, that's what happens. I mean, there's sprint football where you have to be a certain height and a certain weight. Joe Rogan, again, speaking practically and rationally, cut 24. What they've done to those other girls that are competing against her is just a crime. It's horrible. Imagine if you're a biological woman, you are working your ass off. You are fully dedicated to being the best of the best. You're dotting all your I's and crossing all your T's. You are watching your diet. You're watching your recovery. You are trying. And this person who just decides they're a woman with testosterone flowing through their body for their entire life just dominates you. It's maddening that we have gotten into this ideological battle this cultural end-of-the-road ideological battle where we're allowing that and where people will step up and virtue signal and defend this. That it, like, as, as if it has anything to do with being compassionate and considerate and, and trans rights or LBGTQ plus AI, whatever the f*** it is, rights. It's nonsense. It's, we are a, a society that needs a real problem. Why, why is that anything he says incorrect? And if you're done with the sport, if you're playing at the highest level of women's soccer, if you're a 17-year-old national team player or pro, if you take the best woman in the world, she probably can't make the lowest level of American men's soccer. Is that right that Alex Morgan should not be playing professional soccer at the highest level? Well, if you keep letting men play in women's sports, that would be the ramification. So I don't care as much about the pros. I care about the 17-year-old, the 21-year-old, senior in college, all of a sudden going against a center half or a center in basketball. There was a guy a year ago. It's nuts. And don't sit there and say, well, my, my, you know, I'm the coach and I need championships. Really? You got a championship like that? It's the gender you're born. That's it. And they say under 12, you know, we know boys and girls play together. We know girls grow quicker. Under 12, I, I can understand it. I know Julie Fowdy, there was no real big women's soccer. She got so much better by playing with the guys. But when it comes to making the national team, she was the best mid female midfielder ever, maybe top five. She wouldn't have made it. Wouldn't have made pro. That's just a fact. Don't, don't ruin women's sports, please. That's all I ask. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. So glad you're here. 
Uh, we come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Mike Rogers standing by, former chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, FBI guy. And we do a simulcast on Barney and Company. You'll finally see what I look like. So we have a lot to discuss today. Looking for the president. He's going to be heading to Ireland this week. Exactly. The hot spot of the world. we got to tackle Ireland. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Both Megan Rapino and Sue Bird are done playing, and both of them um, will not procreate because they're not attracted to men. So neither one of these women have daughters to defend, and they're done playing sports, so it doesn't matter to them. There you go. Uh, that, of course, is uh, Riley Gaines. She stands alone. Riley Gaines is the only elite athlete willing to speak out against the farcical rise of trans men in women's sports. While track and field and perhaps boxing takes a stand, two high-profile soccer stars are on the other side. I know. Number two. Yeah, this is what Macron gets wrong, too. This is Xi Jinping's doing. He is on the side of Vladimir Putin in Russia. He is on the side of Chairman Kim in North Korea. He's on the side of the Ayatollah in Iran. Uh, We should demand things. We should treat them with reciprocity. We should stop the trade silliness. China threat, China's peril and French betrayal, how we must step up to the growing global challenges and demand our allies do the same or no longer get our protection. An apology from Macron could come immediately, should come immediately. Instead, we apologize for him. Number one. Pentagon officials are scrambling to identify the source of leaked documents apparently meant for senior decision makers like the Joint Chiefs. Pages seem drawn from secret military briefing books, including CIA updates. That is the assessment after the Pentagon is hacked or someone leaked intelligence revealing our sensitive communications, maps, state-of-the-art communicate, state-to-state communications, uh, Ukraine war efforts, Russian spying, and more. We have no sense of how this happened, if it leaked from the Pentagon, and if it's even stopped. Mike Rogers, um, you're not one to overreact, but how big a deal is this? Uh, it's pretty significant because it's real-time intelligence, meaning... This is information that the Russians can use in operations in Ukraine. That's what makes it uh, dangerous. Uh, and, you know, even the Snowden, and I was, as you remember, Brian was the chairman during the whole Snowden trader event uh, back in the day. And he stole volumes of information, millions of pages of stuff. But a lot of it was assessment material that they'd have to pour through and couldn't have an immediate effect. This has an immediate effect. You know, they can plan battle battle operations on the battlefield with some of the information that was leaked. That's always dangerous, and it results in people people getting dead who shouldn't be. Maybe you can explain this to me. It looks like it popped on this gamer site called Discord, a messaging platform. It was in January. It circulated to a larger group in March. No widespread attention yet for almost another month. The files were then posted on 4chan and reposted on Telegram, does is there a mechanism in place that you know of that would tackle something as soon as it popped up in January? Like, why did we have to wait for Wednesday of last week? Yeah, well, one of the things we learned in the terrorist uh, days of, of fighting the counter, uh, counterterrorism war was that they were getting very, very clever. So the, the Al-Qaeda operations, you know, we were getting good at finding the operations guy, finding him and, and, you know, allowing him to meet his maker. And so what we found was they were getting more creative, more creative. And they started using these gaming platforms to have conversations. Uh, so you could do a chat room in a gaming platform uh, that wouldn't be – that wouldn't register. Uh, meaning it wouldn't be something other than the people who are directly involved 
uh, would see. And so it was very, very clever. Uh, and, you know, they did come up with some countermeasures for some of those things. And so I, this, my belief is that uh, other intelligence services uh, use this same kind of uh, tactic going into these gaming rooms so that they could have a way to deliver that information without, uh, we would call it spy gear, right? So you don't want to get caught with some secret radio that broadcasts some secret thing, right? That's, that's not great if you're a spy. So why don't you do it in plain sight? This was a way to do it in plain sight in my mind. And then what happened is the, the other players in this space got it, found it interesting, and then uh, kind of propagated it to the point where it rose up. So the fact that it was getting out and not caught was is a problem. And here's the other part. It, if you don't do all the other things right, Brian, I mean, if you do Afghanistan the way you did, if you allow the Chinese to flick you in the forehead and the Russians on the UAV to flick you in the forehead and the Iranians to flick you in the forehead, when this happens, it, it just adds gasoline to the fire of America is falling apart. They, are, they appear to be very weak. Now is the time to put the gas, uh, the pedal to the metal, if you will. And that's what's the problem with this, not just the material, but the fact that it came on a whole series of really bad, weak-sounding, weak-presenting to the rest of the world. Does, does it feel like it's a state actor or an individual? I it, here's if, Listen, the way I look at it, I think you've got to believe that there's a state actor who recruited somebody to actually get information out. I, you know, uh, there's still debate to this day if Snowden was recruited prior to all of his activities. I do believe he had some guidance in what he stole, uh, which means that a, a, a national security state, likely Russia, was giving him some instructions. If you're going to walk out the door, steal these things. I, I have to believe that this was a state effort. Now, he may have volunteered or she may have volunteered themselves, like, hey, I think I have access to this. I have a way to get it out. Uh, that may have happened. But I would start with the assumption, looking at this, that this is a state-sponsored event uh, from Russia, China. You know, you, you don't really know. Remember, one of the biggest spies in the Pentagon ever was this, a woman named Anna Montez, who was arrested in, on the eve of us going into Afghanistan. And she was recruited by the Cuban Intelligence Service. And they were uh, taking that information that she would give, packaging it, and basically selling it to the Russians. And so you just you can never say it's a direct line. You know, it could be a bank shot here. But somebody, in my mind, is compromised. And I'm going to bet, Brian, they have a lot more material on their stored somewhere. Uh, and they're just waiting for either the right opportunity right. Uh, to, to either release it or use that information to try to get the uncaught. If you will, we've well, seen that happen. In well, a couple of things are revealed. It looks like Egypt was trying to sell uh, quietly Russia uh, weapons. It looks yeah. like South Korea was being pushed to give armaments to Ukraine. Evidently, politically, that wasn't advantageous to them. Israel was being pushed to get off the sideline. It looks like uh, Ukraine is depleted on when it comes to missile defense. Uh, we don't have any other missiles actually to give them. Evidently, they're running out. They'll be out by sometime at the end of this month. We have details of the surge that Ukraine's planning on doing and how to do it in the spring as soon as the ground, uh, as soon as the conditions get a little bit better. So this is, and we seem to have great spies inside Russia able to give us an idea of how bad things are. So nothing good about this. And you're saying that the worst could be yet to come? Could be. And think about what happens when this 
stuff uh, gets passed along. So I'm going to guess that the Russians have had this, the you know, back in January, if not before. And so they'll look at it and say, okay, here's the bits of information that the U.S. intelligence knows. We're going to have people dissect every word, every paragraph, every dotted T, every uh, period, and we're going to try to find out who that spy in, in Russia is for the United States. I will guarantee you for several months now there have been upending tables trying to figure out who that uh, source of information is. And, you know, it could be electronic penetration. You know, you don't want to give that up. It could be a human being. You definitely don't want to give that up. Uh, and so all of that spy versus spy stuff has been happening for months along this, along this line. Uh, and if the Russians know they have a spy, that changes the value of information that that spy is able to get back to the United States or its allies. So, I mean, it has so many repercussions. And I, and I would be a, a little cautious on that. I, I just saw today where the Russians were saying, this is all misinformation. If you wanted to protect your source, you want to make it as confusing as possible to find out who it is. I just I would argue that's a bit of a Russian information operation to try to screw up the U.S.'s ability to continue to mole hunt, if you will. So let's talk about Taiwan and and China. So we see that these uh, massive war games were taking place. These at military exercises for China, and they still have they still have a lot of armaments in the area because they're watching us. Because evidently we have a major operation with the Philippines, the largest war drills. Uh, right near the disputed territories. So China's leaving their military in place. So have you seen this before, get to this point? And I know that General well, Keene told me he'd like to see coordination between Australia, South Korea, and Japan. Uh, and he doesn't understand why that's not taking place. Well, uh, I agree with him 100%. We need to have that AUKUS kind of uh, relationship where there's there's broader military engagement, uh, joint training exercises. And remember, we used to do this uh, in Germany every year when the Soviet Union was there, you'd they called it reforger. You'd send all of these troops across the United States for these big exercises. And basically what it was is it served two purposes. One, it's hard to do to get people who you know show up in a foreign place, coordinate your activities between the artillery fire and air power and all of the things that go in, you know, the combined arms that go into a big offensive or or defensive movement. And so you have to exercise those muscles or it atrophies, right? You don't want to, for the first time ever, have someone show up and go, and they're shooting at us. This is even worse than I thought. So that's what you learn in those exercises. We also do it in Korea as well for the same purpose. We have these big exercises, go out, train, have unit, Korean units working with U.S. units. And so when the Chinese do this, uh, it's concerning because they will learn from this. This is not, you know, enough, none of these things go as exactly as you planned in any military. Uh, and the more you do it, the better you get at it. So the Chinese doing this is a little concerning because that means they're going to be better at coordinating the Navy activity and the Army activity and their Air Force activity and their uh, long, you know, their missiles, the uh, uh, artillery missiles and all those things. All of that gets coordinated through these training exercises. And so the fact that they did it and did it specifically on an invasion of Taiwan is, makes us a little may, certainly makes guys like me a little bit worried, and then you have to ask, okay, well, there's a way to deter that, uh, and it's certainty, it's doing certain things that we know, like making sure that Taiwan has the what? Oh, that's right, Brian. None of that is coming out of the White House. You are asking for trouble by portraying weakness on this particular event, and I'm not talking about military engagement. I thought it was absolutely idiotic 
that the president of the United States said they were going to put U.S. troops on the ground in Taiwan uh, to fight the Chinese. That A, that's not going to happen. And B, that was really stupid to say. And now he's got they have to figure out how do they deter the Chinese with any credibility. I mean, he is digging a hole for the United States in a way that, boy, uh, you, you know, I used to at least be able to see the top of the hole. I'm not sure we can now. So, Mike Rogers, you would not be prepared to fight for Taiwan? I wouldn't use U.S. troops in Taiwan, A, because we can't – you never want to engage somewhere that you can't have decisive victory. Um, and I would be very concerned about how logistically we would uh, be able to support and shore up our, our soldiers, sailors, Marines in an all-out Chinese conflict invasion of the island. There are other things that we can do. Uh, one is we can make sure uh, that they have the weapon system. I would create a porcupine uh, that we would call Taiwan and make it very. I know, but the problem difficult. is we've waited three three years for weaponry that we have uh, been unable right. to deliver. You're right. Well, it's not unable. They can't make a decision to do it. They're afraid that it's going to provoke China. I have bad news for them. Uh, the no, I heard it's, I heard it's a contract. procurement issue that we just don't we don't have it. Uh, there's some decision-making. The, the decision-making is if we give them certain bits of weapon systems that they have already purchased, we will provoke the Chinese. Yeah, l- so, listen to this. I, this is what, Mike, what, this what Congressman Michael McCall said. Cut 16. This is a production issue. Uh, it's a, a Pentagon problem, State Department problem. We need to reprioritize, put those weapons in, and use allies that have the weapons to put those into Taiwan as well. For without deterrence, you will invite aggression. And this administration has always projected weakness, not strength. Yeah, they ordered 22 weapon systems we have not delivered. Yeah, I, I and I, I normally agree 100% with Michael McCall. He's fantastic. I do believe that some of this is a bit of a dragging feat. We can deliver certain weapon systems. They're afraid about provoking the Chinese. They should just start delivering it. Our industrial base, kick them in the, in the backside and say, here you go. We've got to get going. Uh, this is important for the country. Um, and, again, it gets back, Brian, on every other – No, none of these decisions can be made in isolation. You have to understand what's happening globally uh, to understand why this is important. And so I, I believe we have the ability to deliver on a lot of these weapon systems. We should do that, and I, I would do it soon. Again, the administration thinks, well, if we do that, the Chinese are going to start ramping up and go in. And they're thumping of their chest saying we're ready to fight. That's concerning. And I don't know, if you're if you're our ally somewhere in the world, would you trust this administration to do the right thing? Not yet. Uh, I, I yeah, see they're almost a zombie administration. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Uh, no action. The president doesn't speak. Secretary of Defense doesn't speak. Secretary of State doesn't speak. Uh, I have no idea how they reacted to Macron coming out and saying that I'm not I'm going to stay nonpartisan when it comes to U.S. and China and maybe move off the dollar. I don't see any reaction when they shoot down our drone. It's unbelievable what's happening. Uh, Mike Rogers, former chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. I know you're thinking about a presidential run any closer to that decision. Not yet. I will tell you, we spent uh, just a couple of great uh, weeks, both in, uh, uh, well, New Hampshire was last week, just a phenomenal response. People keep asking us back. People understand we better have somebody that understands the depth and breadth of the China threat. 
and what that means for us and how we have to get our act together at home. Gotcha. And I've been getting a good response with that. It doesn't surprise me. Mike Rogers, thanks so much. Let us hey, know. Thanks, yeah. Meanwhile, we'll come back, take some calls, one 408 7669 Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. We had a couple of minutes, one 866 just got to tell you, I'm just outraged by what uh, French President uh, Emmanuel Macron said. He says, it is in our interest to accelerate, uh, it is not in our interest to accelerate a crisis on Taiwan for fear of a Chinese overreaction. In an interview with Politico, he added that the worst thing that Europe could do is be to take our cue from the U.S. agenda. It's geared toward defending Taiwan. You believe this? Chinese state media has reacted gleefully. Uh, saying signals a dead end for the U.S. strategy of luring Europe to contain to contain China. That was written in the national newspaper, the Global Times. The State Department, you figure their anger, right? Wrong. It says this is an immense convergence between us and our European allies. There's immense convergence between us and the European allies and partners in how we tackle China's challenge head on. What? The White House took a similar tack. Says. We'll let uh, Macron's comments speak for itself. We're focused on the terrific collaboration and coordination that we have with France as an ally and a friend. Unbelievable. So listen, uh, we come back. I do have some calls on the other end. We have a big segment coming your way, and then we'll do a simulcast where I'll squeeze in some calls on the other side. We have a lot to discuss. We're just getting started. Brian Kilmeade Show. mouth to your ears. It's Brian Kilmeade. Right now, there are three large navies that are in close proximity to each other. China's, Taiwan's, and ours. This is exceedingly dangerous. We have seen China with these dangerous intercepts of American planes in international airspace. And it shows, again, that disrespect for the U.S. That means, you know, you have a Chinese military corps. They know better, but they do want to go to war. And we have a political system in China that is actually encouraging Xi Jinping to do the same thing. This is dangerous. And Biden and the Pentagon, they have no clue as to what's occurring inside China. I'm pretty sure they don't. Uh, I have no idea how they would. They don't even pick up the phone to call over the air where they would be reportable. Some people are writing us about this. Um, In fact, you just go to BrianKillMe.com. Here's some of the comments. Uh, this is from Lewis. Uh, Lewis says, when they zig and they're supposed to zag, the fix is in. Biden has already been paid for Taiwan, and we do not have the oil reserves nor the infrastructure to wage an Asian conflict. He saw to that as well. They're, criminal, uh, they're criminals. They sold out America. Uh, they, they certainly have done a few things that are, make you question that. Uh, here's one for uh, another one. Start with uh, Vinman, a, port- uh, a probable Russian plan, or maybe the government Marxists are just protecting their communist brothers. Uh, we remember Vinman, who is a Ukrainian heritage uh, of Ukrainian heritage. 
um, he came out. Deb said this about the trans sports athletes we're talking about and why some people might be okay with it. Uh, Sue Bird played basketball for UConn, uh, but she bet she wouldn't have wanted to play men when she was there in the hunt for the NCAA title. Uh, they're all sellouts. It's sick. Absolutely. Yeah, you just, you're out there competing, and all of a sudden the center you're up against is 6'6 six, six and wants to be a woman. Okay. Was a man, was a freshman, but as a junior, wants to be a woman. And suddenly Sue Bird can't get a shot off, and UConn loses in the finals. How do you feel to be politically correct? How does that feel? I want you to hear what uh, Joe Rogan said, and I played this at a previous hour. And Joe Rogan really, I thought, nailed it. Uh, when he said this, cut 24. What they've done to those other girls that are competing against her is just a crime. It's horrible. Imagine if you're a biological woman, you are working your ass off. You are fully dedicated to being the best of the best. You're dotting all your I's and crossing all your T's. You are watching your diet. You're watching your recovery. You are trying. And this person who just decides they're a woman, with testosterone flowing through their body for their entire life, just dominates you. It's maddening that we have gotten into this ideological battle, this cultural end-of-the-road ideological battle where we're allowing that and where people will step up and virtue signal and defend this. That it like as, as if it has anything to do with being compassionate and considerate and, and trans rights or LBGTQ plus AI, whatever the f*** it is, rights. It's nonsense. It's We are a, a society that needs a real problem. Well, we have a plenty of problems. We got huge problems, huge deficits. We have a lot of enemies all coming together because they see vulnerability. And I will say this. The best example might be if you wrestle, you wrestle in 136. And all of a sudden you want to be a champion. And they say, no, well, to be a champion, you've got you to you you wrestle the guys 196. Why? I'm in a category by myself. I'm trying to be the 136-pounder in the country. Sorry, in the state. Sorry, you've got to wrestle a guy 196. Why? Because that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Really? They have women's wrestling. They have men's wrestling. Separate them. Women's boxing, men's boxing. So if you're a transgender, you can't do it. It's just not allowed. Back to what else we were talking about. Someone uh, writes this. Frank uh, Gibbons writes me here. Uh, this morning on Fox and Friends, uh, you pointed out everything that Taiwan uh, gets for us. So we, we buy from critical machinery and components, uh, also the, the tech chips, the machines for cars, everything like that. Uh, do the size and weight. Uh, it is time for us to stand up. No weapons, no deterrent systems. Uh, we have to find a way to protect it, even if it's selfish, even if you don't like Taiwan. It's in our interest to have protection for the trade. There are ninth leading trading partners in Island Nation. And I was thinking about this. The main problem that China has is it shows on their doorstep, just miles away, fellow Chinese, uh, fellow uh, citizens, Chinese citizens are having a much better life, much more productive life, more, much more fulfilled life than the ones they're living. And why is that, that they're so productive, this island nation? Because it's a free market. It's a democracy. You're legitimately picking your leaders. You're legitimately deciding what college you got to go to. You're legitimately deciding what you want to do for a living. You're allowed to travel, beat, a, beat America in Little League Baseball. That's just it. And China can't have this as an example. You can't even say, well, that Western, those Westerns. No, no, those Chinese people, those Taiwanese are Chinese. 
right? The Chiang Kai-shek loses the war. He fl- flees to uh, Taiwan. Mao takes over. They threaten. We recognize Taiwan as legitimate China until the 1970s. Then that flips. We say, okay, but just recognize Taiwan's autonomy. They go, that's fine. And that's fine until now. Now they see vulnerability. That's what bothers me. They see the vulnerability because of the weakness. It's not even a bad policy. It's no policy. The president doesn't speak. The State Department doesn't act. We don't know what's going on. We have more people in Congress taking action than we do with the White House. It was a time when we wondered, why do we even have a Congress? Because they're not doing anything. They're just taking their cues from their party leader. Now we're watching bipartisan delegations fly over to Taiwan. We're having Congress stand up, Senator Warner and Marco Rubio, and say, if you're going to have a documents case and have a special prosecutor for Biden, Pence, and Trump, I want to be briefed. And they're going to get briefed this week. I think it's pretty cool, which brings me to 2024 real quick, because I'm going to take a time out and have to do a simulcast. In 2024, we have to wonder who's going to be running. Is Joe Biden actually going to be running? He's going to wait to the fall. How unusual is that? Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton had declared already as a candidate, but the president's declared for re-election by April. That's not going to happen. They're going to wait till fall. What's the theory? They're going to let the Republicans fight it out and look as if they're discordant. And when they're not, it's typical the way Hillary and Obama fought it out, Hillary and Bernie fought it out, the way McCain and Bush fought it out. But they're going to make it seem uh, uh, crazy, and Biden's going to seem like the the definition of stability. Here's Britt Hume on whether Biden's actually going to run and what kind of candidacy it'll be, cut 26. I don't, that's being equated with an announcement of his candidacy, which I don't, I don't think that's what it is. It's consistent with what he's been saying all along, which is that he intends to run, he plans to run, he wants to run. But it's not an announcement. And look, there's something you have to keep in mind here. And, and look, I'm not saying he's not going to run. But I will say this. If you, if you announce at this stage of a presidency with, you know, what, a year and a half left in his term that you're not going to run again, you are an automatic, instantaneously, automatically and instantaneously a lame duck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if he was not going to run, he wouldn't be saying the same thing that he is. So you know who knows that well? Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt takes over for McKinley after he's shot after six months. He plays that four years very popular. He runs away with the re-election. And the day he wins re-election, he says, I'm going to stay with the, I'm going to stay with the philosophy of George Washington, and I'm only going to serve two terms. He said from the moment the words came out of his mouth, he would have cut off his left arm in order to take him back. Because he loved being president. He was young enough to be president. He was extremely popular as president. And he retired as a guy just just starting his 50s. And that's what Joe Biden fears. But I do think he intends to run. Here's Trey Gowdy. And by the way, here, here's the exchange with Al Roker. There's everyone concerned. Cut 25. Will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least three or four more? Maybe, maybe, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe maybe so, six. So what the hell? Are you, are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be so rolling an egg or you know, being the, the, good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on. It's unbelievable. I mean, the guy can't even get a line out. I'm not talking about just stumbling some words. How about all these words? Here's Trey Gowdy, cut 28. 
Did you listen to the interview with Al Roker? I mean, that's a friendly interview, and it's not a tough question. And, and, and I want to be sensitive and not overly critical, but he didn't shine brightly in a friendly interview about whether or not you're going to run again. So, I mean, do you really think he's going to be able to handle classified information beside his Corvette kind of questions? No, absolutely not. So we're going to find out what's in We Think what the intelligence was and what the documents were by his Corvette at the Penn Center, the University of Delaware. I don't know if they've gone through all those boxes. I don't think it's possible. I mean, judging by the map they pulled out, judging by what I've seen. And then they went through his lawyer's office. We don't hear one leak uh, from this guy, Hugh, who is in charge of the special prosecution. But with Jack Smith, we hear everything. We hear about the who's going to be brought in to testify. We hear about his lawyer being flipped. Uh, we have Secret Service being flipped. We have his, uh, his valet being flipped to go and speak against the guy that employs them, the guy that they're providing security for. It's incredible. All right, when we come back, I'm going to go on the air with Stuart Varney. We're going to talk about all this and so much more and then take your calls at the end. Brian Kilmeade Show. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Oh, about to do a simulcast with Stuart Varney and Varney and Company. They're going to give me the cue when to go on together. And then we'll finish at the back half. We'll be able to take some phone calls to 1 866 408 7669. We do have an announcement. Chicago is going to host the 2024 Democratic Convention. I know New York wanted it. Uh, they will not get it. Good luck with Chicago. I uh, hope you survive. Uh, good luck getting any visitors there. The city is totally out of control. Let's listen in. 51, that means it's time for Brian Kilmeade, who will miraculously appear on the left-hand, right-hand side of your screen. All right, the House Judiciary Committee holds hearings in New York City. They're going to talk to victims of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. Bragg responded to the hearing. He says, look, Republicans are just coming to the safest big city in America for a political stunt. All right, Brian, have at it. The safest big city in America. What do you got on that? Well, I'll put it this way. I hate to see the second safest uh, because we're in trouble. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you look around, for example, the first thing they should do is bring in that bodega owner, the one that Alvin Bragg was put into Rikers Island when he defended himself, even though video was available, showing that he was being thrown up against the wall and was had to literally fight for his survival. And the guy that was attacking him was fresh out of uh, Rikers Island. There are so many examples of people being thrown on subway tracks. They could march in all these things that, that are taking place. They could also maybe have some recent retired uh, police officers and talk about the lack of support they've gotten in major cities and how they feel they don't want to arrest anyone anymore because no one gets prosecuted. Maybe they could start with that. And the fact is that even Democratic governors like Kathy Ockel want to change bail reform to give judges some discretion on if uh, he this this next assailant that was arrested is a danger to himself or to somebody else. Right now, the judge has got no ability. But how do you see how do you think New Yorkers, the people who live here, how are they going to respond to the, the Republicans coming up and holding a hearing? Well, put it this way. Uh, what I think that a lot of people are coming around to the fact why Lee Zeldin got 47 percent of the vote in New York State yeah. is right. that these policies aren't working. You know, when you want to raise taxes or lower taxes, you can go and find out the CBO and, and check your bank account, see how it's going. But meanwhile, there's a life and death thing going on right here. There's people yes. whose businesses are going under. You know, you, you see major department stores closing. You see CVS is saying no one's uh, cracking down on shoplifting. I'm just going to close my door. Same thing with 
Walgreens. So you get some of these people in. I don't really think it's a Democratic or Republican issue. It is safety exactly. and exactly. convenience. Yes, it is. You got it right. Uh, last one for you, Brian. Forty female athletes, including U.S. soccer stars Megan Rapinoe, they've signed a letter opposing a congressional bill. Now, their action means that they would, that the congressional bill would ban men from women's sports. Where do you stand on this? Where do I stand on this? It's the most idiotic thing ever. Megan Rapinoe and uh, and Sauer Braun, as well as Sue Bird. Uh, three fantastic athletes who are all retired or just about done. If they were 21 years old and they were vying for a national championship and the center across from them in Sue Bird's case was a 6'8 man that just became a woman that took your national championship, I'm sure you'd feel a little bit different. Worse yet, the less profile, the 13-year-old eighth grader who's aspired to make a state team or a national team all of a sudden gets beat for a position or beat for a title because a young man wants to become a young woman. That simply can't be the case. Whatever people want to do with their lives is their business, but there's got to be a criteria. If you're going to be a wrestler and you want to win 136, you don't say, okay, to win the championship, you've got to wrestle someone from 196. Why? Because it's the only fair thing to do. Wrong. Yep. It's yep. just, yep. It, to me, it's, it's I, I can't fairness. believe that, that uh, Riley Gaines stands alone right now. Yeah, and she was attacked for it, too. Uh, fairness is the name of the game. Brian, thanks for being here. See you next week. Go get him, Stuart. one 408 To me, it's, uh, it goes without saying. I, I can't believe we're even discussing this. There's just right and wrong. And when you have Caitlyn Jenner, used to be Bruce Jenner, and said, well, by the way, there's no way I should be competing in the women's age group, I think that's your best guest, but she will not appear on any other show uh, because they're not even interested I mean, they're not interested because she's a Republican, really, and she's not giving the right answer. Essentially, that's pretty much it. So one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. So Megan Rapinoe's been; she's the one of the first. In case you don't know, she's one of the first to take a knee on the women's national team. Can you imagine represents the USA and taking a knee internationally? That's where she stands, and that's why this U.S. national team, this women's team. It doesn't have the fervor that the Mia Hams did and the Julie Foudy's era does. And what we've seen in past eras, too, uh, when the U.S. national team won a national championship, I believe when the U.S. World Cup, uh, when the World Cup was in Canada, is because they divided the country. They're extremely critical of the country. When you're playing for the country and you have a situation we have right now, the last thing people want to see, if you want to go buy uh, their jersey, I think is the last thing you want to see is people protesting the country. But just back to what we were saying before, we were discussed with uh, Stuart Varney and did the simulcast about what the Republicans got to do. A couple of side notes. Donald Trump in particular, as you know, leads in most of the polls. Until Ron DeSantis gets in and this debate's really kick in in August uh, when we see everyone stumping, going to the early states and going for, uh, for the debates, uh, some little things on the sideline. It turns out reports are... The Melania was missing for an obvious reason, because it's an awkward situation with a porn star. But she is going to be on board as the president starts another run for the presidency. Evidently, one of the things they discussed was, hey, do me a favor. Start spending a little bit more time with Barron. You're off now. You're not president. You don't run, you're not running the business day to day. And he did. Evidently, they just had a private dinner, at which time they agreed she's going to be by his side. That's key. You think it's a minor thing. Not only got the support, but you have the look. 
And a lot of people on the Republican side like her a lot. If you met her, you understand. So I think her being there with Ivanka not being there, people wonder, is the family fractured? It's not. I also think this legislation with Governor DeSantis could be a positive, but could be a negative. The third rail, like it or not, you could be the most fervent pro-life person in the world, is abortion. And if the Florida legislature knocks it down to six weeks, Democrats will tie that to DeSantis and say he's looking to take your your abortion rights away. Now, I love what Rubio said. He's pro-life in Florida, but Florida isn't. So he's not going to make that a part of his platform. And he won going away against a very tough opponent, Val Demings. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll go out to Ukraine. Don, uh, Don uh, Dan Bielak will be with us. I uh, hope bring us up to date on what's happening as it became apparent that it's exposed the spring surge by Ukraine. Details are out and about since January. Jackie Heinrich at the Hour. Talk about the ramifications of the president of the United States uh, going to Ireland when things get tough. He goes to Ireland. Totally unnecessary trip. Never speaks to the press. How's that going over in the White House? Also, with this major leak in the Pentagon, no real firm statements to the origin story there. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Both Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird are done playing, and both of them... Um, will not procreate because they're not attracted to men. So neither one of these women have daughters to defend, and they're done playing sports, so it doesn't matter to them. Right. She stands alone. Riley Gaines, the only elite athlete that I know of, willing to speak out against the farcical rise of trans men's and women's sports. Those others join 37, 38 others in saying that men should be allowed to play with women. Number two. Yeah, this is what Macron gets wrong, too. This is Xi Jinping's doing. He is on the side of Vladimir Putin in Russia. He is on the side of Chairman Kim in North Korea. He's on the side of the Ayatollah in Iran. Uh, We should demand things. We should treat them with reciprocity. We should stop the trade silliness. China threat, Taiwan's peril, and French's betrayal. How we must step up on the growing global challenges and demand our allies do the same or no longer get our protection. Number one. Pentagon officials are scrambling to identify the source of leaked documents apparently meant for senior decision makers like the Joint Chiefs. Pages seem drawn from secret military briefing books, including CIA updates. Unbelievable. Beyond damaging, that's the assessment after the Pentagon is hacked or someone leaked intelligence revealing our sense of communications, maps, state-to-state communications, to Ukraine war efforts, to Russia spying and we have no sense of how this happened, if it leaked from the Pentagon or if it has been stopped as of yet. With me right now is Daniel Bielak. He is the uh, Dan is uh, also an attorney based in Kiev, uh, and he's with a great law firm, former member of the ter- ter- uh, current member of the Territorial Defense Force. Uh, Daniel, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brian. Good to be back. Hey, Daniel, what is your take on the leaked documents that have been out since January and on Telegram just for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, this is this is never helpful. Um, you know, it, it really undermines sort of the the credibility of our of our key key partner. Um, you know, I just hope that the, the administration is able to get it under control really, really quickly, and uh, and there isn't going to be anything else that's coming out of it. Um, you know, it, it also points uh, Brian to the fact that this 
war that we're in in, in Ukraine is not a Ukraine-Russia war. It really is now a it has been for a while. It's, it, it should be clear to everybody. It's a global conflict, and in fact, it affects America's reputation and national security globally. And uh, you know, the 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 American people have been absolutely stalwart in their support of Ukraine, and times without your support, we never never would be even. even Game uh, at this point. It also points to the fact that you know we just got to get it done. We got to get it done together. Yeah, we're kind of losing you just a little bit. Uh, we know this. The study was just out. Ninety-seven percent of Ukrainians believe they're going to win the war. Seventy-four percent think they're going to go back to the nineteen ninety-one border. So when they lost eighteen percent of their country, as high as twenty-five, they pushed back to eighteen percent. Kind of held. And now they're trying to grab the rest back. And as soon as the tanks arrive and the armaments get there and the missile defense gets replenished, they'll feel more optimistic. Daniel, are you there now? Yes, I am. Okay, good. So you're starting to break up there at the end. So basically, for, for Ukraine's perspective, the casualty numbers, it looks like the Russians have seen it. They messed with it and re-released it, saying they only had 16,000 casualties. We know it's more like 200,000 but the fact is, you had a battle plan complete with um, a PowerPoint that told, that got out there, and the U.S. is not denying that it was out there. Have you has the plan been adjusted, being that everybody knows it now? Yeah, I, I think that there were a number of plans. Um, you know, as as uh, the, the uh, secretary of the National Security Council of Ukraine pointed out, there are only five people in the whole country that know what the plan is. And, that, and like with every plan, uh, there are a number of options. Um, I've been actually quite surprised at how uh, unperturbed our, our, our leadership has been on this particular point, because I, I think that, that the, the options that we have and, and the plans that we're going to, that we're being put into place for the counteroffensive, uh, they can be adjusted. But I, I think they've been pretty clear all along, and that is, Hold the Russians and degrade them in 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 the Donbas, which which we've done, uh, albeit at tremendous losses to ourselves, but nothing compared to the insane losses, as as the Minister of Defense Oleksiy Reznikov called it, uh, that the Russians have taken. And we need to cut the land bridge in the south so that we 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 cut off Kherson and Crimea, and uh, and basically cut their supply lines. Um, you know, we're getting we're finally getting the the heavy armor that we needed. Uh, we're getting it. You know, apparently at scale, um, you know, what we really still need are the longer range uh, missiles, the attackums that we've been asking for so that we can hit them deep into Crimea. We can take out their ships and, and, and some of their, uh, their air force. Um, it would be great to have F-16s. Um, I'm not sure they're going to come be, they're going to come anytime soon. Certainly not by the time we need them, but. You know, we're going to go with what we got, and, um, and we're just going to hammer them. You know, you know Brian, we, we set up eight separate assault brigades uh, in the last two months. That's about 45,000 people. When, they, when, when, when people talk about it, I've been reading in a lot of the, 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 the press in the U.S. about how morale is dropping in, in Ukraine. When they announced February 3rd that they, they were going to form these assault brigades, by February 12th, just a week and a half later, 25,000 people had signed up, and we're now at 45,000. And, and they're all being trained, being trained by the U.S., by the Brits, by the Canadians, and uh, by the Europeans. We're constantly training people, 
And, uh, you know, we're going to hit them with everything we have. Yeah, I, I mean, the concert, but the damage, I guess, the according to these intercepts, the whole missile defense, the rockets that go in the missile defense systems, you guys are low on. And if that doesn't get solved soon, by the end of this month, the Russians are going to know that they could take these skies. Yeah, well, they haven't taken the skies yet, and we've seen a huge decrease in the number of rocket attacks uh, here in, in Kiev and drone attacks. So they, they've got their own problems with uh, with missile supplies. They're trying to get them from the North Koreans, trying to get them from the Egyptians, apparently, with the U.S. ally. That's, that's really hard to wrap your head around. Um, but, um, uh, you know, we're... We're, we're, we're hopeful that we're going to continue to get supplied with, uh, with, with these uh, uh, anti-aircraft and anti-missile systems. They've been enormously effective. Uh, effective. Uh, the NASAMs that we got from the U.S. and the Norwegians, uh, the, the Patriots apparently going to be uh, in country or already in country and are being set up. So, you know, we're, what we've had is what we've seen is that we have used we have had less ammunition and munitions than the Russians have, but we've been using them with extraordinary efficiency and effectiveness. They just carpet bomb. Their, their, their objective is just a scorched earth policy, though. They waste everything, whereas we are targeting uh, not civilians, not in Russia, but we are targeting uh, military uh, targets, and, and we've been doing it quite effectively. Yeah, I'm looking at this. It says Colonel uh, Gen- uh, General Okensor. Uh, says that right now uh, the scorched earth policies by the Russians is just brutal. They just look to destroy stuff, and especially in Bakhmud, that's the tactics they're using, which they historically have used before, but they're taking in tremendous casualties. Do you believe from what the latest you hear that Bakhmud will hold? I I think that it'll hold for as long as we want to hold it. Um, we have we have we have inflicted enormous losses on, on the Russian army, and have degraded their ability to transfer those troops uh, to the south, where where we're going to probably be launching our counteroffensive. And so, you know, it, it's had enormous strategic value from that standpoint. Even if we pull out of central Bakhmut, we still will will withdraw to higher ground and rivers and natural geographic defenses. So, you know, we will I'm, – I'm really hopeful and I'm confident because our army is confident that, uh, that we're going to hold the Russians where, where they are there and continue to degrade them. And that, that... – Yeah, we just sort of dropped out. But we got, we got a sense of what's going on in Ukraine. Always appreciate Daniel Bielak, uh telling us what's going on from Ukraine in Ukraine. one 408 As I mentioned, 74% of the Ukrainians, when polled, even a year plus into the war, thinks they're going to go back all the way taking Crimea back, and 97% are convinced they're going to win. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
The Republican Party cannot wait for the young to turn old and the single to get married to find new voters. We can't be beaten on this policy-wise. I think we've already won the policy arguments on the economy, on education, on a number of issues. I think we've got some work to do on the young people who think differently on abortion, perhaps, or guns or climate change. But even there, the Democrats' messages are usually cynical. The thing I'm really concerned about with this is that the left becomes a turnout machine with young people because influencers have this domino effect, lemming-like effect of people just all them wanting to be part of the same crowd. And if they succeed in that way, uh, we're not doing a great job competing for ballots. We're just been com- competing for votes. Yeah, and listen, yeah, this is Joe Biden. Evidently, what Kellyanne Conway is responding to is the story that came out, not denied, that the administration is going to be campaigning for re-election with Joe Biden using influencers of TikTok. Really? TikTok? You know, the spying device that's used in 150 million different phones in our country that Senator Warner and others have said, uh, Senator Josh Hawley, studies have shown that it's a spying situation, that we should be banning it as it is in many states, in federal devices. But not only is Joe Biden ignoring that, he's going to use those influencers to fuel his campaign for youth. So he's turning 80, 82, and he's going to get the young vote because Democrats do get the young vote. And he's going to reinforce it by using influencers who essentially say anything for money. They're going to get paid in order to say all these policies are great for young people because Joe Biden is for them. I have no problem with picking social media out and deciding that's what I need. So you need to decide, okay, I have a lot of followers on Facebook and I have a lot of followers on Twitter. I'm going to get my message out that way. And then what you do is get influencers in the same way. Guess who did that? Donald Trump had Facebook in his office. So no problem. You're going to have an office for TikTok and the White House. How could you possibly be worried, legitimately worried about intelligence, China competing and still let TikTok into the White House as a key component of your campaign? It's totally irresponsible. But Joe Biden does not have a choice. Now, for Republicans, they have to solve something bigger. They have to go ahead into these campuses, these hostile areas, and win people over. And they only want to talk about abortion rights. 35 and up doesn't necessarily, but before that does. Kaylee McEnany talked about Joe Biden running and knows, obviously, what it was like running against him and the machine when they were in the White House. Cut 27. No, they don't want him. And this is why Jen Psaki uh, came out before the midterms and said, if this is a referendum on Joe Biden, meaning the midterms, we lose. That was a very honest assessment. It cannot be a referendum on Joe Biden. That's why in elections, you want to make it a choice. We're the better choice than the alternative. This is where conservatives have to say we are the better choice on the economy, inflation, foreign policy. Look around the world. We'll secure your schools. Because I can tell you the Waffle House guys <laughs> do a lot better than the current White House yeah, guys right, right now. Right. Joe Biden said he wants to be here for six Easter egg rolls. I don't know if he can do math, but that'd be beyond a second-year term if yeah. President Trump had said that. They'd say he wants to be president in perpetuity. It'd be like a CNN news cycle. Right, and that was uh, Kelly McEnany last night, I believe, on Gutfeld. So if it comes to the border, if it comes to uh, the foreign policy, you got to think Republicans are shooing. But if it comes to abortion and banning the abortion pill, that's the crazy thing. Now, what's happening at the Texas, excuse me, the Tennessee legislature, I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, for them to act unruly in that way and without any etiquette and understand it and to go ahead and try to expel all three and expel two and they happen to be of minority persuasion, I don't think shows this Jim Crow three and no one buys it because they told us Jim Crow two were the Georgia election uh, reforms. And we all know that that was no big deal. Now, 
what hap- what's happening now in almost every major issue outside abortion seems to be trending Republicans' way. If you look at the inner city, does anyone blame a Republican for that? When you see the rise of crime, the rise of homelessness, the rise of drug use, does anyone blame a Republican for that? The border, does anyone blame a Republican for that? What's happening with China? What's happening with Russia? What's happening in the Middle East? Losing our influence, begging Iran still to this day. Lead story on Fox News Digital, how we're still looking to get Iran back into the nuclear deal. Do you believe this? That would put them into mainstream USA, mainstream world commodities, and put uh, put rocket fuel into their economy. And we're still looking to do it. For some reason, that's how stupid Iranian, the Iranian government is. They're not jumping on it. So that's the deal. Now, in the wings is Ron DeSantis. He's waiting to the end of May for his legislative session to be up. Yesterday did something interesting. Uh, he announced, the Florida legislature did, that he's supporting a sweeping package of immigration measures that would represent the toughest crackdown on undocumented immigrants, so illegal immigrants, by any state in more than a decade, expected to pass within weeks because Republicans have uh, super majorities in both chambers now. The bill is a part of what DeSantis describes as a response to President Biden's open borders agenda. Here's what it would do. Felony charges for sheltering, hiring, and transporting undocumented immigrants. Require hospitals to ask patients their immigration status and report it to the state. So even if you get treated, you're going to get uh, unmasked. Invalidate out-of-state licenses and issue uh, issue to undocumented immigrants. I can't tell you how many states to said, if you're going to be here, you got to be able to get insurance so you can have a license and direct the Florida government of law enforcement to provide assistance to federal authorities in enforcing the nation's immigration laws. So there you go. That would be sweeping. The thing they got to look out for is passing the six-week abortion ban. Now, that might excite pro-lifers, but it doesn't excite pro-choicers, and most of this country is not pro-life, sadly. Nine months, out of control. Past 15 weeks, I think you the rubber hits the road. Prior to that, America says basically... Leave everybody alone. James listening in Odessa, Texas, KCRS. Hey, James. Hey, Brian. Um, yeah, on, on this subject, I, I couldn't agree more with the way you just worded that. Um, I, I would say just like you, for me personally, it's unfortunate. But that's where this country is. Uh, way more than 50 percent of the people in this country accept abortion at some level. And you can't, for me, it, to me, it boils down to a moral issue, and you can't legislate moral issues. The people, just like me, I'm going to have to answer to God someday for my sins. The people who are going to have to answer for abortion are the people that make the choice to give mm-hmm. one. And the people who perform it, it ain't got nothing to and, do with And, me. James, I think the midterms would have been a route for Republicans. I'm pure of Joe Biden's performance, especially after Afghanistan, uh, if it wasn't for that other issue. And that's what they campaigned on. It wasn't elect Joe Biden and his disciples. Believe me, it's a zombie presidency. He's not there. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. How is it different from past leaks, whether it was Snowden or WikiLeaks? We're still uh, coordinating efforts to uh, determine the impact these documents might have on our national security. 
uh, going forward. So there's still a lot that we have to uh, review and assess, but that, that review and assessment is uh, ongoing. So that was an interview Jennifer Griffin had. We have now narrowed it down to the leaks from the Pentagon being 53, and the report just came over now. 53 separate documents have been posted. Many of the documents from February 23rd to March 1st. My problem with that is they said that these documents began to appear on a gaming site in January, but the DOD briefings include details of the war in Ukraine, battlefield assessments from the Pentagon. Those briefings are typically delivered electronically on secure iPads, not usually printed out. If they are printed out, the investigations can track where they're printed from. They have to be printed on secure printers. So separately among the classified documents online, there is also classified intelligence that was not part of any DOD briefing. They appear to be produced by other intel agencies like the CIA and NSA. The intelligence is not easily assessed by those accessed by those in the Pentagon, and their inclusion suggests that the leak may have come from outside the Pentagon, and it's not been solved, therefore it could continue. Crazy stuff. Jackie Heinrich is with uh, is with the President of the United States in Ireland right now. You know, she's our esteemed Fox News White House correspondent. Jackie, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How you doing? Man, no, there's, no, there's a bunch of storylines to follow. What brings yeah. you to Ireland? To celebrate their peace agreement? Yeah, so officially the trip is supposed to be to celebrate the uh, Good Friday Agreement, the 25th anniversary, which was yesterday. Um, Biden said his you know top priority on this trip is to make sure that the Good Friday Agreement remains in place. But it's also being billed as a heritage tour, and I think that the White House has um, kind of underplayed really the that being the true purpose of this trip because they were trying to find, and this is just sort of my two cents, I think any tenuous connection uh, to Biden's heritage and like an intersection of official business and family time because he's, for instance, giving remarks at a cathedral uh, at which I guess his great-great-grandfather either laid the bricks or sold the bricks or made the bricks. <laughs> and we, we can't really get a clear story on exactly what the connection to this cathedral is, but he's going to be talking about manufacturing there. So it's a, it's a mix of business and pleasure, I would say. Okay. So the family kiln will be front and center. Uh, we'll sure. see how that goes. So Jackie, what I just read was Jennifer Griffin's latest report of has to be the top story and everybody around the world watching it. Who hacked into the Pentagon? Who leaked from the Pentagon? South Korea intelligence, Russian intelligence, Israeli-related uh, communiques, Ukrainian-related war stuff. I mean, it doesn't end. This is substantial. Is there a sense of of concern among the white people in the White House that you've been around? You know, I wish that there was a greater level of concern. I, I think that they've been taken off guard by this, and before they have you know, clear answers on where this came from and what the risk is that comes from it. I think that they're trying to be, you know, sort of tight-lipped about how they how they discuss it. You saw John Kirby in the briefing basically, uh, you know, reprimanding reporters for covering the leaks, <laughs> saying that, you know, classified intelligence doesn't belong in the front page of the newspaper or on television. And, you know, we wouldn't be here, by the way, if the leak didn't happen. So it's really on them to figure out who did this. Uh, and what what the risks are moving forward. I mean, talking about Ukraine, you know, a lot of the, the in, 
information is dated and is just a snapshot in time that couldn't necessarily help Russia, but it will help them determine, you know, the burn rate of, of the equipment that they have and, um, you know, be able to sort of fill in the blanks on questions that they've had for the last year plus on, you know, what, what the extent of the U.S. support is and where the Ukrainian uh, weak points are in terms of, um, you know, their, their battle readiness. So, you know, that has to be of paramount importance to this White House when we've been sending billions of dollars in aid uh, to this country. Yeah, I mean, when they need missile defense, they need missiles for the missile defense systems. They're running out. So, number one. Number two, it looks like we have great sources inside Russia, human or, or electronic. That doesn't work to our benefit for them to know. And they've probably known since January because they seem to be doctoring the documents. I also saw the report of short time ago of South Korea saying, what kind of ally are you? You're spying on us. And that mm-hmm. must be what Israel must be saying. We know that they, they usually do the same, but they must say, really? You're spying on us to find out why we believe, by the way, that the CIA was interested in finding out the, about the Supreme Court and Netanyahu and how this thing was playing out. So we're spying on our allies. We're spying on our enemies. And it's all for everybody to see. Here's what John Kirby said yesterday. Cut one. Do you believe the leak is contained? Are there more documents out there that have not been released publicly? Is this an ongoing threat? We don't know. We truly don't. I've not heard that a lot. They can't, but you can't spin it and say it's under control. Do you believe, I'm just wondering, because they're not telling us everything, are they doing enough? Well, clearly not. I mean, when the first reports about this came out a couple of days ago, the initial reaction was that this might be a misinformation campaign on part of the Russians. Yeah. Um, which tells you that they've been really caught off guard. And, and John Kirby is probably being candid when he say, says we don't know. Um, you know, what that means for us and for our allies is pretty scary. Um, they better figure it out soon. And, you know, you'd think that they would be trying to communicate to us uh, aggressively, you know, what they're doing to get to the bottom of it and and prevent any further leaks from happening. Um, but I think it's also an embarrassment that they, you know, don't want to shine right. a spotlight on. So the other big story, and by the way, I just want you to hear this. This is a little H.R. McMaster who comes on this show a lot, but I think he's signed with another network. As you know, National Security Advisor for George, uh, excuse me, for George, for Donald Trump, cut six. Who or what benefits from the leaked documents? Well, I think the Russians do for sure. H.R. McMaster, a former national security advisor, told CBS News the apparent mix of authentic and doctored records looks like information warfare. Where you have elements of truth that that then are combined with with false information uh, for propaganda purposes. Another document suggests Russian intelligence is compromised, apparently revealing plans to strike Ukrainian forces at a specific location and time. So that helps, but it doesn't help that Ukraine's surge uh, strategy was out there with a series of diagrams and maps and PowerPoints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's certainly concerning. And, you know, I also have to point out in some of the uh, reporting about this, and this is just a, you know, semantics piece, but a lot of the reporting has been starting to describe the Ukrainian counteroffensive in the spring as an offensive. Uh, it's very important to know that, that Ukraine is not invading Russia. They're not taking they're not taking over Russian territory. They're taking back their own country that Russian forces are yeah. occupying. This is a counteroffensive, not an offensive. Um, and some of the you know reporting surrounding this, I think, has been um, a little bit loose and and has forgotten that 
um, you know, phrasing is important here, but it does play into this whole idea of Russian propaganda. Um, and, and you want to make sure that, you know, when there's material out there, especially that may um, have been doctored or, you know, could be part of a misinformation campaign, that the reporting on it is pretty, you know, watertight. Um, and, and so it's, it's tough to know at this point, you know, what what impacts are going to come from this. That the Pentagon has got to be sweating bullets. Uh, I know Jennifer Griffin does a great job for us of trying to nail down, you know, from the highest levels, um, you know, all of the details. And I'm sure they're telling her as much as they can. Um, but this should be, you know, a one of every every newspaper because it's a, it's serious. It, it does, as you mentioned, impact not just our our you know our own planning and our support for you know Ukraine, but also has a real risk of upsetting our allies because the extent of what's been revealed is, is just really something we haven't seen in a very long time. So have you heard of, uh, um, and by the way, speaking with uh, Jackie Heinrich, who's in Ireland with the president of the United States, Jackie, have you heard a good explanation of why the president has not spoken out about China, has not spoken out about the spy balloon, has not spoken out about uh, their aggressive action against Taiwan, not spoken out against the transit visits with uh, leaders of both parties, in New York and California, as well as the Taiwanese being, uh, you know, what we witnessed with the exercises going on over Taiwan yesterday. Have you heard a good explanation of why no one's talking about this? I haven't heard a good explanation, but, you know, you can sort of read the tea leaves and and take away that ever since the spy balloon incident, the Biden administration has been trying to reschedule Blinken's trip to Beijing, which was canceled because of the spy balloon. A lot of people would say rightfully. Um, but Beijing is, is very upset about the, this and about the meeting um, between McCarthy and the Taiwanese president, uh, Tsai Ing-wen. And now any hope of rescheduling that Blinken visit has been sort of neutered. Um, and, and so they're not returning all, all of our phone calls. Uh, there are no high-level diplomacy talks happening, and there's been reporting to suggest um, that China has even been wary of, you know, of having conversations about um, how to avoid conflict because our, our – and I'm using the wrong language here. Jen Griffin would be the best, best person to phrase it the right way. But, you know, our stuff comes in kind of close contact with their stuff regularly, and, you know, we try to have sort of guidelines and guardrails so that there isn't any accidental conflict, and they're not even wanting to have meetings over that kind of thing. So there is – we're really at a low in terms of diplomatic relations with, between the U.S. Mm. and China. Um, and I also think it's interesting that you saw the, the story break a couple of days ago. The Biden administration is tr- kind of trying to have it both ways. Um, you know, at once they are trying to cut off, um, you know, China's ability to corner um, the, the chips market and bring manufacturing back home. And they're being hawkish on, on this. On the other hand, um, they're, while they're talking about potentially banning TikTok in the U.S. because of national security concern, now you're seeing reporting from Axios that the White House is going to start, ahead of the 2024 election, um, a messaging campaign involving influencers who use TikTok, bringing them into the White House, giving Amazing. them their own briefing room. I mean, I don't even know what that looks like, but it's it, that was really some something to me, that you're, you've got, you know, the— <laughs> the U.S. government doing an assessment about the national security risks and how we should go about dealing with this app and its availability, you know, in the U.S. because of the risks that it poses. Meanwhile, 
this Democratic administration trying to seize on its popularity with Gen Z and literally bringing devices with TikTok into the White House so that Biden can get out his message and try to win in 2024. Uh, it's it's a real, I don't know, it, it, you raise your eyebrows at that one for sure. It's crazy, Jackie. I know you're trying to be diplomatic. It is insane. It shows an inconsistency on both sides of the aisle because you have people like Senator Warner and other Democrats who say, of course you should ban this thing. So we'll see where that stands. So the President of the United States kind of stumbled his way through a couple of easy questions with Al Roker. It prompted Trey Gatti to say this, cut 28. Did you listen to the interview with Al Roker? I mean, that's a friendly interview, and it's not a tough question. And and, and I want to be sensitive and not overly critical, but he didn't shine brightly in a friendly interview about whether or not you're going to run again. So, I mean, do you really think he's going to be able to handle classified information beside his Corvette kind of questions? Because now we understand the uh, the Gang of Eight is going to be briefed on on those classified documents in uh, Pence, Trump, and uh, Biden's houses in various locations. Uh, do you believe that the, they're keeping the presidents away for a reason, Jackie? Well, I, I think that there has – I see this in sort of two different frameworks. Um, the president has always intent, said he intends to run, and he's been in no hurry to announce his reelection bid um, for a number of reasons, you know, one being that Obama – announced in April or May. They were sort of always looking at that as a target date. They wanted to get out ahead of the the State of the Union and then the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, do this blitz of appearances across multiple states to try to tout his achievements, and then also give Republicans in their new majority in the House some time to, you know, get themselves into some chaos that the Biden administration could use in his campaign to show that, you know, House Republicans are in danger, all the things that we always hear. Um, So I'm not surprised that he hasn't announced yet. That being said, um, you just saw No Labels, which is this organization that fundraises for, you know, moderates in the House and Senate typically. And they've been involved in in races for a very long time. They're sort of dipping their toe into executive branch uh, races. And they've been working in all 50 states to get a bipartisan unity ticket on the ballot so that, you know, Nancy Jacobson, the woman who runs this organization, has said, look, if the two parties elect, you know, very polarizing candidates and it's another election of extremes, then, you know, we will put our unity party on on the ballot. And they were looking at people like Joe Manchin, Larry Hogan, Charlie Baker to be contenders for that. But they had long said, you know, if it's if it's two polarizing figures like Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, that's what we're going to do. But just yesterday, No Labels tweeted that, you know, they're getting closer to looking for a new choice for America. It looks like the 2024 race is going to be another divisive replay of 2020 that won't unify the country signaling that they are, in fact, going to pull the trigger on this bipartisan unity ticket that they've been getting ready. So Biden's absence, uh, relative absence on in actually getting his message out there is allowing the field to grow. Good point. Um, he's already going to be challenged by, you know, Marianne Williamson, who I don't think anyone looks at as a serious problem. But it, it could be a real interesting shift from, you know, your typical election cycle um, you know, the, the way things go, if you've got a bipartisan ticket in the mix. Absolutely. They're talking about Joe Manchin for that, too. Uh, so, Jackie, yeah. yeah, we'll see. He does not seem happy with the president or the party after he felt he got duped on the last uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Jackie, have a great time in Ireland. 
Good luck trying to find out the lineage of who made the bricks. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. All right, Jackie, uh, with the president. When we come back, your turn. Also, I'm going to find out if there's indeed more to know. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. These days, it's hard not to feel stressed out and overwhelmed. Sure, Trump got indicted, but now everyone says the case against him is weak and that he'll never serve any jail time. As someone whose entire personality is hating Donald Trump, you need more. You need to feel calm and reassured. You need the newest meditation app, CN Zen. That suits even the most militant liberals with sensual details from Trump's arrest, featuring your favorite CNN anchors and correspondents. He's the first American president to ever be indicted. This is truly a historic and humiliating moment. (laughs) Trump is a sad, defeated man. They made him come from Florida, where it's 80 degrees, to New York, where it's only 60 degrees. How depressing for him. Let New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman soothe you to sleep. This is his worst nightmare, and he's really freaking out. With additional in-app purchases, like audio erotica of District Attorney Alvin Bragg reading all 34 felony counts. Count one, falsifying business records in the first degree. Count two. Falsified business records in the first degree. CNN, because you waited seven years for this indictment, and you want every delicious detail. That to me, that's two funny things in Saturday Night Live. I can't believe it. The cold open is absolutely hysterical, and it, you know, technically, it makes fun of Trump's situation, but it's done with a sense of humor, uh, and it's hysterical. It's it's a parody. It's the way it used to be. Rather than people like Alec Baldwin just yelling at you and Stephen Colbert giving you applause lines instead of laugh lines on the Colbert Report or whatever it's called, The Late Show. Thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show for this hour. Keep it here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.